Digital CXO, and I'm here today with Ryan Naylor. He is the CEO and founder of a hiring software platform called Viva HR. How are you doing today? Oh, so good to be here. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you on our show. So you have spoken about culture marketing. Can you tell me a little bit about culture marketing? And also, let's back up and talk about Viva HR. And what do you do there? Yeah, I appreciate it, Amanda. So, you know, Viva HR is a platform that we started several years ago, really focused on hiring automation for small businesses. And along the way, we were doing a lot of tests and kind of analysis on what really drove the conversion rate. Industry average is when a job seeker looks at a job description, you have about a three to 5% conversion rate. And in my mind, you know, coming back from marketing world that I've been in, I've been in digital marketing for the past 15 years. I think that one of the greatest ways to improve any business is just go back to look at your conversion rates and, and work with what you have now. And so we started analyzing the job seekers and what they were really engaging with. And it just, you know, job descriptions, these text only, uh, you know, languages, it would, Think, think about like you're buying shoes. I mean, something as meaningless as just going and buying a new pair of running shoes. Like you're engaged with the photos, you're engaged with the reviews, you're looking for like third party validation. But for a job, think about how impactful that is into someone's life. And as employers, we're not really giving them more than some bullet points and roles and responsibilities. It just seems lazy. So we started, we started testing some different ideas. And that's what culture marketing came to be is it's a it's a process it's a framework in which you tell a story as part of your hiring experience that's that's driven based on not just functions of the job but the social and emotional components of the job to really drive a full 360 view of what it would be like to work there so in this day and age i imagine that's really important because more and more companies are going either fully remote or hybrid um, especially after the pandemic. And I think once we went that direction, there's no going back. It's just plowing forward and we're in a huge age of digital transformation. So how can companies attract the right employees with the right skill set? And then how do they retain those employees, especially in this day and age of remote and hybrid work? Yeah, I mean, attracting the right employees, I mean, that's that's the golden goose right there. That's what everybody wants to figure out because not only is the labor market tight, but you just don't have a lot of movement right now. It's, it feels like a very stale labor market. So a couple of different ways to attract the right people. First, first is you just got to know, you got to know your audience. Um, just like any good marketing campaign, when you're recruiting, you got to know your audience. If you're hiring for you know, truck drivers, you got to know a lot of them are on the road and they're probably in their free time jumping into social media and checking on stuff. They're probably listening to like satellite radio. And so you got to get in front of them in those avenues and in those channels. And so what I like people to do is put themselves in the shoes of the job seeker, just start searching like what, you know, I need to hire for a dental hygienist. Great. Put yourself in those shoes. Go look for a new dental hygienist position and see what you come across. And a lot of people start with Google. And they're shocked that the top rankings 
is not Indeed. It's not ZipRecruiter. It's not LinkedIn. It's actually Google's new job board. It's Google for jobs. And you're starting to see when you use a mobile device, that takes up a lot of digital real estate. And so being aware of that and then asking the question, how do we get our jobs in front of these folks inside the Google for jobs platform? So first and foremost, for awareness, put yourself in their shoes, start start searching the way they would search, use the phrases or keywords that they would search, and then find a way to get there, find a way to shortcut that. I think it's easy to fall in love with the brands we see commercials of um, over and over again about where to post our jobs. But if that's not where candidates are landing, then you shouldn't spend the money there. Um, so that's kind of the first the first thing. And then I would speak their language, right? Is as a job seeker, what do you care about? Do you really care about all the bullet points of the roles and responsibilities, or do you care about a purpose-based business? And that's going to change industry to industry, job to job. And so finding that core audience, what do they really care about? Tell the story, get in front of them, and then tell the right story that's going to make them get excited about you. And I think that's where that culture marketing comes in, is being overly transparent, talking about the mission, the purpose, not what you're going to do for me, but what we can accomplish together is if you're putting your arm around them saying, here's what we can accomplish. Here's the vision and three to five years down the road. Here's what you can expect that to have in your life. That's the dynamic that's changing is, is it's not, it's not just, you know, who can write the, the prettiest opening paragraph in a job description. It's really telling a story. So for those new employees, when it comes to onboarding, how do we simplify or help automate a good onboarding process where employees get the training and the knowledge that they need, and they really know right away the expectations and the goal set of the company with remote workers. Yeah, I mean, this is a topic that's uh, it's going to vary greatly by position and industry. But I would say just having a basic one-year framework can really transform the experience for the employee. So for example, rather than starting on what does the first two weeks look like, let's talk about what we want them to accomplish in their first year of employment. What is the knowledge that they have? What are some of the KPIs or leading indicators that, that identify success at this role? And then you start working backwards and say, okay, what, what actions or what tools or what knowledge base do they need to have to be able to accomplish that? And then we'll break it down by quarter. And then we're going to look at the first 90 days. If we want them to accomplish X by day 90, what does Y and Z look like as far as tasks and actions? And then start building your training around that. Um, I think it's it's really easy to get quickly into the nuts and bolts and just overload a candidate with everything under the sun in their first two weeks of onboarding. And that becomes overwhelming. And you see the highest ratio of attrition always happens in the first 30 days. If somebody sticks out greater than 30 days, the chance of them quitting in their first year greatly reduce. So it's all driven by onboarding and with that experience. So my my big thing is I love reading books about OKRs and KPIs and the EOS frameworks and some of these, how businesses implement different operating systems inside their business. And one of my favorite things is looking back at um, kind of what Facebook's early days were doing when they were onboarding new developers is their goal was to get a developer to be able to push a line of code 
up into Facebook's ecosystem within the first 24 hours of them working to get them excited. Like, hey, I contributed something. I was part of the team that did something meaningful. And you're starting to see a lot of companies implement that process. So when you think of onboarding, think about what can we do to get them to feel a sense of like, I contributed something meaningful in my first 24 hours, my first week um, to be part of this company. And I, and I think that just shifts that dialogue a little bit. Start start wider, start the year mark, and then break it down quarterly and really get into contribution right now. And let's really kind of hold hand to hand through that first, first week at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's so important now more than ever because, you know, there's a lot of terms being thrown around um, and maybe you can speak to it, but I see more and more about quiet quitting and even um, kind of similar but opposite of that overworking where they just work like 10 different jobs at once and they're really not doing a good job at any of them. That's hard for companies when they're hiring more and more remote and hybrid positions. How do they field for their employees? How can they track if they're really doing a good job or know when this employee isn't going to work out and also just retain their interest and keep them more involved where they're less likely to just shut down and go into one of those modes because it's all about the employees these days, employee happiness, and they seem to they seem to hold the power. So how do we work with this issue today? Well, I think employee happiness is not just like freedom to do whatever you want when you want to do it. And if you really start looking at some of the data that's coming out of like Deloitte and some of these really great research groups, you, you understand that job seekers, what they really want is is they want the ability to grow within an organization. That's one of the number one deciding factors when deciding to accept a new role is growth within the company and work-life balance. So with that, I would say setting up during the interview process alignment expectations of what, what meaningful work looks like. And here's how we check on that. Here's our KPIs and we have a scorecard. And here's the different things that we measure success on. And we're going to check in with you daily. We're not going to micromanage you every hour and make you check in. And some companies do that, and that's fine. But here's what we are going to do. And we're going to, and these are our KPIs. And then we're going to work towards, we're going to work together to make sure you can accomplish those KPIs as easily and as efficiently as possible. Let them know that those KPIs are everything. And you'll know if they're doing the quiet quitting pretty quickly. If those KPIs are met or not, you use scorecards to be the bad guy. You use love, support, and training and encouragement on everything else. And you'll quickly find that if you're adding the support language, you're doing the check-in calls and the, and, and you're just doing that follow-up with that, with that leadership style of, I'm here to help you achieve those KPIs. And then you start to notice Oh, they didn't even get 80% to goal. Oh, they got 50% or 30% to goal. There's there's your red flag. There's your key indicator that they are doing the quiet quitting. Or as we're starting to see it pop up more and more is maybe they're working two full-time jobs and trying to balance that. They're trying to take two salaries simultaneously because they think they can get away with it um, because it is remote. And that's a fear that I know a lot of entrepreneurs share right now is that you see these employees not being truthful about quitting their previous role. They're looking for a new role and then they maintain their existing one simultaneously. And that's 
And that's really going to come down to how do you define KPIs and realistic and measurable KPIs. Absolutely. Lastly, for companies looking to digitally transform, um, digital transformation initiatives across the board are just increasing. When it comes to hiring, where's the first step? Where do they start if they're not familiar and they've really never been much of a digital company? How do they start? Well, gosh, you got you, you really got to start with your website telling the right story. I love the sense of transparency that, that you know, companies trying to get in this digital transformation are very I always find they're more reluctant on this sense of transparency than anything else. They they almost want to keep things too close to the vest and they're not willing to kind of let go of that. Be, be willing to kind of share and open up about the organization in a public manner. Um, I think that's going to help breathe transparency through an organization. I think one of the easiest ways to be transparent about is start with core values. What do those mean? Here's examples of them. Document it, share it, showcase it. And you're going to see a lot of buy-in within the team to want to publicize their their contribution to the core values of the organization. And I'm not talking about like, we live with integrity and then we just end there. What does that really mean? Let's define it a little bit. Let's break that into maybe three subcategories and, sh- and use examples and drop in some photos and some videos of us demonstrating integrity um, within a community. You know, so so I think it really starts with transparency. And then one of the easiest ways to to really begin that process is showcasing core values. Well, I want to thank you so much, Ryan, for coming on today and sharing your insights about culture marketing and how we can help companies with their hiring initiatives and retaining their employees afterwards. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.